God is worthy. Psalm chapter 50. God reveals who He is in the Scriptures. And we must take Him seriously. This season of Thanksgiving might not invoke the person we are about to read about. This person is even unpopular. And we do all we can to avoid thinking this way of God, especially during Thanksgiving season and Christmas soon to be upon us. But without this teaching, our Thanksgiving is shallow and possibly much worse, self-centered and idolatrous. Because the human heart is wicked and ready to make anything an idol to replace the King of Kings. So let's look at our text this morning. Psalm 50, verse 1. The Mighty One, God, the Lord. Stop right there. Isn't that magnificent? Three names of God given to us in the start of this song. El, Elohim, Yahweh. The Mighty One, God, the Lord. He speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire. Around Him, a mighty tempest. The perfection of beauty. You see that? This description of God Almighty. The perfection of beauty. Shining forth. Coming forth. Before Him, a devouring fire. I chose this text before Pastor Jeremy started the series in Leviticus. And last week, he taught us about holy fire and holy men. And this is reminiscent of that, of what he taught us. How God, this fire that gave guiding light and warmth, the pillar of cloud that led the people in the wilderness. But it's also gave um, a devouring judgment in that the sacrifices that were required, the burnt offerings were to atone for the people's sin. But it also reminds us of the eternal fire of hell. God is holy and He must judge sin. He will judge every single person. For the believer, there is no fear of eternal judgment and punishment. No hell. However, there is the current loving discipline of our Father. Listen to what Hebrews 12.28 says. And this is for the justified by faith in Jesus. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Around Him is a mighty tempest. 
even in our insurance policies, we right there's there's exclusions and inclusions for acts of God. Everything is under His control. Every storm, everything, every atom is in His control. What a mighty description of God, is it not? So in your outline, my first point is God the judge. God the judge. God as judge. He is depicted here in this psalm as the judge. As judge. He gives proper rewards for righteousness and proper punishments for evil. We have a longing for justice, don't we? And it is particularly easy to identify the wrongs, the sins that have been done to us. And we, become, we welcome a God who promises that justice will be served. We, however, have a more difficult time identifying our own sin. We excuse it. We justify it. We don't feel the consequences that others incur from it. But our primary offense, even before others, is against God, the Holy One. Just in the next chapter, Psalm 51, verse 4, David cries out in recognition that against you, you only have our sin and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. There's three essential attributes God must have to be this just judge. The first is that He is righteous. That He is just. Perfectly just. Perfectly righteous. He must be impartial and unable to be dissuaded from perfect justice. He must also be all-knowing. He must be able to know every nuance and motive of the heart. And third, He must be all-powerful. Able to guarantee perfect, complete justice is carried out. 1 Corinthians 4.5 says, Therefore, do not, in instruction to us, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. This is a warning to us against judging others' motives. We do not know the heart, but God does. And He will give commendation. He will give the perfect reward for everyone. He is a rewarder. Now, this is important to know because we are sinners and we don't deserve anything, right? Except God's judgment. However, God promises reward. He promises blessing. Therefore, it is not meritorious. It is not based on our, our works, on what we do, but from mercy, the mercy of God. And God's who God is, that He keeps His promises 
of reward and blessing. We must correctly know this God to worship Him appropriately. Let's look at our text, verse 4. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to Me My faithful ones who made a covenant with Me by sacrifice. The heavens declare His righteousness for God Himself is judge. Selah. Who does He call to judge? His people. His faithful ones. Those who made a covenant with Him. I want to look next at who is this judge? John 5.22, Jesus said, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Jesus is our judge. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. Jesus is our judge. And look at this verse from 1 Peter. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So the judgment needs to start with us. Just as in this psalm, God calls for the assembly of all His people, those who have made a covenant with Him. What does God bring in accusation against them? Let's look at verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? You see, God is judging them for the futility of wrong theology. The futility of wrong theology. He is not judging them for their sacrifices that were faithfully presented before the Lord. He is judging them for their wrong theology, their wrong, which leads to a wrong worship of God. You see, there's three things that they were doing that was wrong in their theology. They began to believe that God actually needed their sacrifice. 
they believed that God actually needed their sacrifice. They thought they needed to appease God. They began to see themselves as God and He their servant. We can do this easily too. God needs my service. I have sacrificially served. God owes me comfort, health, and prosperity. These can easily become our attitudes, can it not? We call this worship falsely. For it is, in fact, self-entitled deism. We exalt ourselves as God and say, God, now you are my servant. You owe me. And God is confronting this false theology. Don't believe that God owes you anything. He does not. I'm going to give you a key statement here. I want you to listen to it very, very closely, carefully. We can wrongfully believe that the only way God will ever clear the guilty is by the atonement of Jesus. Now, how is that wrong? Because God is judge. Because He he is the righteous judge. There is no way that God can clear the guilty. That He can just forgive your guilt. There's no way. Because He is just. How could a just God just say, oh, just forget that. Forget it. No. We are guilty before Him. He demands a payment for that guilt. He justifies the guilty through Christ alone. By faith alone. You see, the only way God can offer forgiveness is because Jesus Christ was your substitute. And He took God's wrath in your place. And you received that by faith. You see, your sin was taken by Jesus. And His perfect life, His perfect righteousness was given to you. That is the way a holy, righteous God justifies. Both of those aspects are in play. Both of those are true. Jesus' actual righteousness is attributed to each and every person who receives Christ as His substitute. That Christ took your sin upon Himself. That He bore God's wrath that He rose again and conquered sin and death, and that His righteousness is attributed to you. God cannot and does not 
just say, oh, you're forgiven. Without the substitute of Jesus and His taking your sin upon Himself and giving to you His righteousness. We are now clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. We now will be able to survive His judgment. God is worthy of our worship in thanksgiving. Look at verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon Me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify Me. For a sacrifice of thanksgiving, it must cost. It costs your independence. You must proclaim your dependence, your submission to Him. And look what He calls them to. He says, perform your vows to the Most High. Keep your word. He says to His covenant people. Psalm 15 says, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fears the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. God invites us to call upon Him in the day of trouble. Isn't that magnificent? God, the judge, the judge calls us to call upon Him and He will deliver us. And we will glorify Him. God, the good judge, examines our deeds and he judges wickedness. Look at verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? You see, the people were not trusting God. They were not trusting that God is good and that His laws for them were good to, be, to guide them in His goodness. They did not trust Him. For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him. Wow. Those who would take. And you keep companies with you keep company with adulterers, those who use others in the worst way. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. You see, these acts are acts toward behavior towards others. 
Words matter. Look at these next verses. You give your mouth free reign for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Words being used to destroy instead of to exhort, to build up. My father-in-law likes to quote Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, who would say to others, speak to others, not about. Speak to them, not about them. Are you sometimes puzzled by God's silence? <laughs> Look at these next verses. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. You see, we can misunderstand God's patience for repentance as His sanction and blessing. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.16. He says, I am the chief of sinners. And he says, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternity. For assurance of God's making all things right, I want to read to you 2 Thessalonians 1.6. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints. Our text, verse 22. Mark this then, you who forget God lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. Solemn words, are they not? God is righteous. And this is a righteous verdict. He will tear you apart if you forget God. There will be none to deliver you. If your God is not judge. He cannot be your Savior. So that's why I come so solemnly with these words to you this morning. Because our next point, God reveals Himself as the Savior. He, I'm going to take these now in reverse order. So verse 15, He says, Call upon Me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And verse 23, He says, I will show the salvation of God. This is of grace. This is undeserved, unmerited. And this is through Jesus. God Himself did this. 
does this. Hebrews 13, 16, the verse following our call to worship this morning was, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Oh, I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. The proof, God does, He saves us, but He also does not leave us in the condition He found us. The proof, look at this. He says, perform your vows to the Most High, to the One who orders His way rightly. God will continue the work that He has begun in you to do this work, this change. And then He says the offering, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. To the One who offers thanksgiving as His sacrifice. Verse 16 of Hebrews 13, the following verse of our call to worship, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then the purpose. The purpose is, you shall glorify me. We get no credit. This is all the work of God in salvation. For He will glorify me. Verse 22, 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Our response this morning, God is worthy. And all are holy to the Lord. Remember as Pastor taught us about the turban of the priest, there was a gold plate, and inscribed on that gold plate was this inscription, Holy to the Lord. We in Peter are called a holy priesthood to the Lord. We are His. We're sanctified. We're set apart for Him. He is worthy of our worship and our life. So let's give thanks. Our sacrifice of thanksgiving involves our hearts, a correct and complete allegiance, our deeds, obedience, and our words, our expression of our hearts to build up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word this morning, and we pray that You would use it in us, that we might offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving, that we might praise Your name and glorify You for the wonderful work that You have done through Jesus Christ in saving us. Thank You, Lord Jesus.